Sunday we start our life class again. And um, next Sunday as well, we're going to do a nighttime service as well. Um, I will send out some more information about that via text message this coming week. Amen. But there are quite a few people in our church who aren't able to come on a Sunday morning. Amen. And so we want to do something on Sunday night as well. And of course, just because you come to church in the morning doesn't mean you can't come to church in the evening as well. Amen. Amen. I remember when I was growing up, we used to have services Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We would have, uh, has anyone ever gone to an all-night prayer meeting before? We used to do those when I was was a kid. We would have all-night prayer meeting. We would start something like five o'clock on Sunday night or Monday night or something. We would just pray through till the morning. Of course, I was probably about Jonathan's age. I think I spent most of the night sleeping under the pew. But I remember it, amen. So yeah, Sunday, next Sunday will be the start of life class. Next Sunday will be the start of Sunday school as well, amen. So you got kids who are in Sunday school, and they can come to church on Sunday, amen. And Sister Janie will be teaching Sunday school class. We've finally got a Sunday school room. We haven't had Sunday school for quite some time because we haven't had a room. But now we do, amen. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. I don't want to preach for too long this morning. I don't know if I'm going to preach or teach. We'll just see what God does. Amen. But I felt strongly these words laid on my heart. A very familiar passage of Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? You go to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. While you're turning there, um, in February as well, we kind of want to relaunch some of the areas of service that have kind of fallen a bit by the wayside over the last three or four months. Um, So we're looking for people to volunteer who want to be ushers and greeters. We're looking for people to volunteer who want to operate the sound desk as well and and the lyrics and all that kind of stuff. Amen. So come and see me because we need people willing to help out. Of course, that does mean you need to be faithful. You need to be in God's house every Sunday if you take something on and say, hey, I'm going to help out. Amen. So come and see me because we're going to start relaunching some stuff coming February. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, a passage which I'm sure most people could quote. These words just kept going over in my mind all week long. And, you know, I was seeking the Lord and trying to find, you know, what is it you want me to preach about? And this just kept coming back to me, coming back to me, coming back to me over and over again. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Thank you. I want to borrow Paul's words there to the Roman church, and I want to use the first three words as my title this morning, And we know. Turn to the person next to you say, And we know. Say it like you mean it. And we know. Amen. We know. I really know, amen, and we know. Praise the Lord. Let's just close our eyes, bow our heads one more time. Precious Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of your presence, Lord. We thank you that we can be in your house today. Father, have your way, Lord God. Let your word sink into our heart. Let it encourage us, Lord, and let it strengthen us, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, as I said, probably a scripture that many of us could quote, and we know that all things work together for good 
to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. You know, I looked up the word to know something in the dictionary, and it means that it's a statement of fact. It's not an opinion. It's a statement of fact. We know. Amen? It's something that we know with all certainty, that there is absolutely no doubt, and we know. I also know, statement of fact, not an opinion, I also know that we use that word often a bit loosely. Amen? There are some things that I claim to know, but I don't really know. And we use it. You ever used phrases like this, I know what you're thinking. No, you don't. You can't read minds. We use the word, not quite correct. I know what you think, but we don't really know what you're thinking. I know what you're going to do now. No, you don't. You might have a very good idea because you, maybe you've been in a relationship with that person for a long time, but you don't actually know. True story? Amen. What about this? We claim that we know what we're going to do later on. I know after church, I'm going to go get lunch. Maybe. Maybe God will take me before I get my lunch time. We don't know. We can't tell the future. I got some people looking at me going, oh, pastor, please don't know. <laughs> Amen. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We know that we're going to go to work tomorrow. Well, actually, we don't. We, 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 tomorrow is not certain. It's not promise. It's not guaranteed. We don't know. It's not a statement of fact. We know what we intend to do. We know that we're intending to do that at work. We know what we, we think tomorrow will hold, but we don't know. It's not 100% certain. Amen. There's also some things I just don't know. Amen. Put your hands up if you know the mathematical formula for the decay of atoms in a radioactive isotope. Anybody? Any takers? I've got no idea. I'm sure there's someone out there who does know. I'm not one of them. I don't know that. I have no idea how to assemble a car engine from scratch. I know the right pedal makes the car go and the left pedal makes the car stop. I know the wheel makes it turn. I know how to put petrol in my car. I know how to check the oil. I probably couldn't change the oil with some help, without some help. And I don't know how the engine all puts together. And I don't know how it works. You give me a spark plug, I probably wouldn't know where to put it. Right? I don't know. There are things I don't know, and there are things that I use the word know incorrectly, amen. But there's no mistake when we read in the Scripture that the Bible says, and we know. It is a statement of fact that we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that all things are going to work together for good, amen, because faith takes what in our finite minds cannot comprehend and pairs it with the infinite God that we serve. And it's with that faith we can say, we know. Amen. It is beyond any shadow of a doubt. It's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. We know that all things work together for good. Amen. Turn to the person next to you. Say, we know. You see, it is the lens of faith that enables us to take what is uncertain, to take what is unsure, to take what seems to be chaos and apply faith to it. And that's what turns it into a we know. We can boldly proclaim that we know that all things work together for good. Turn to the person next to you say, I know. What 
There's some little caveats on this little passage, of course. Because often we like to, to quote that, amen, but we don't really like to read sort of around that and the, the context around it. So we're going to do that a little bit this morning. It says that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose, amen. Now there is an entity out there that loves God and that is called according to His purpose, and it's not necessarily the individuals, although I do think you can apply this scripture to individuals. But the Bible is talking about the church in this passage. When you read the context, it's talking about the church. That fits us. The church loves God. How do we know that? Well, the Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4 and verse 19 that we love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. Amen. The church loves God. Because he first loved us, amen. And the church should be here for his purpose, amen. And, and, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about Hope Divine. I'm not talking about the United Pentecostal Church of Australia. It's part of the church, and we are part of the church. But I mean the church as the corporate body of believers around the world, amen, who believe what we believe, who preach what we preach, amen. The church loves God. And the church is called according to his purpose, not our purpose. You see, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 says, God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. See, the church is here because we love God, and the church is here because we have a purpose, because we have a mission, because we have something on this earth that God wants the church to accomplish. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. Amen? And that's why we know as a church that all things will work together for good, because the church loves God, and the church is called according to His purpose. Someone say amen. You see, when the church wholeheartedly goes around loving God and wholeheartedly doing His purpose and His plan, then we can know all things work together for good. We can claim that promise, amen. And so that means when we are in the church, keep in mind, I'm not talking about a building, I'm not talking about an organization, but when we are in the church, we can claim that promise as well because we're part of the church. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And when we are in the church and when we are on the right pathway, not only is our future secured, but your present is as well. Amen? Even when everything seems to be going wrong, when nothing seems to be going right, circumstances are against you and life is discouraging and getting you down and you're not sure what way to turn. When you know your feet are firmly planted in the church, you can face your situation, you can face your adversary and you can say with 100% confidence, we know that all things work together for good. See, Joseph is an excellent example about this. Right? Joseph the dreamer. Uh, we know his story. He had a dream that one day his brothers and his family were going to bow down to him, the sun, the moon, the stars. He had the dream about all the sheaves of wheat bowing down to him, and he told his brothers. And what did they do? They said, oh, wow, Joseph, that's so amazing. We can't wait to bow down and worship you. No. The Bible says they threw him in a pit. They got his 
coat of many colors. They killed the lamb, smeared blood on it, took it to their father and said, we think Joseph, is this his? Maybe it's his, maybe it's not, right? But Joseph was sold into slavery. And what a role reversal. You think about it. He's the favorite son. He's got everything going for him. He doesn't have to be out in the field working like all his other brothers. No, he just rocks up to see how things are going. He's like the foreman. He's the boss. He's the favorite one. And all of a sudden, he's in Potiphar's house as a slave. Right? But there's an interesting little note in there in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 2. The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. See, God never left. God was with him when everything was going well, when he was having the dreams, and he's telling his brothers, hey, check it out, I'm going to be amazing, I'm going to be awesome, you're all going to bow down and, and give me homage, and you're going to make me a great person, and God was with him then, and in Potiphar's house in slavery, says the Lord was with Joseph, and so what happens? Everything worked out for good, except then some lady got her eye on him, and Potiphar's wife begins to chase Joseph, right? We know the story. I'm not telling you anything new here, right? And so in the fullness of time, Joseph leaves. He runs out, and his master's wife accuses him. And what happens? Joseph ends up in prison. And you're probably sitting there in prison going, what's going on, Lord? Come on, this is not fair. I had everything starting to work out again. It was starting to work out for good. But here I am, I'm in prison again. But you read just a little bit further on in verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. You see, when you know all things work together for good as the church, it doesn't matter if the things are going good in church. It doesn't matter if things are going bad in church. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're in prison. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're running the prison. At the end of the story, it still works out in our favor. All things work together for good. Amen. Amen. But it goes deeper than that. Praise the Lord. It goes deeper than that. Because just like Joseph discovered, God never promised that our life would be a bed of roses. He promised that he would be with us. He promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us, but he didn't promise that everything would go great. Hello? Amen. We go through things in life, and as a church, we go through things as well. We go through periods of struggle. We go through seasons where our strength is tested and our resolve is asked questions of. Amen? God didn't promise that that wouldn't happen. Amen? We read on in Romans 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow... He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And that's an interesting passage of scripture right there. Amen. It's one of those ones I think often when you read it in your personal Bible reading time, you read it and you've got to stop and go, what did that just say? Remember, he's talking about the church, right? He's got the church in view when he says, and we know that all things work together for good. Amen? Because the church loves God. Because the church is called according to his purpose. Amen? The scale of these verses indicate that God has had a plan since the beginning of time. 
predestination. Amen. And this step, this plan involved five steps. And we're going to go through them one at a time. The first one in verse 49, for whom he did foreknow. Right? There is the foreknowledge of God. Amen. Before God ever created the world, he knew that the mankind, mankind would sin. He knew that mankind would need a savior. Amen. You with me so far? And because he knew that, before he ever created the world, God already had a plan before creation. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. Let's just turn there quickly. It says, For as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Right? So God, in his foreknowledge, knew that before the world was ever created, that mankind was going to sin. And mankind was going to need a savior. And what that means is that the entire historical narrative of the world revolves around what happened at the cross. And God planned it that way because he knew that we needed a savior. Revelation calls Jesus the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. There was already a lamb prepared before the world ever needed it, before the world was ever created. God, in his foreknowledge, already knew. Amen. And because he knew that some people would respond to that offer of salvation and become the church, he designed a plan of salvation for that church. Amen. The foreknowledge of God. God already knew. Turn to the person next. You say, God knew. God knew. Amen. Let me get back to where I was reading in Romans. Romans chapter 8, let's get back there from Peter. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now some people misinterpret that verse. Some people think that means there's some individuals out there who are predestinated to be saved, and some who, it doesn't matter what they do, they're not going to be saved. That's not right. That's taking the scripture out of context. Remember, Paul is talking about the church. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. He's talking about the church. And God knew in his foreknowledge that he would need to save some people, that he would need to have a sacrifice to save mankind from their sin, amen, to pay the price. And in doing so, there would be a church created, amen. You with me so far? Now, predestinated, that means you have already decided beforehand without any possibility of changing your mind. But what did God decide beforehand? God decided that the church was to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. See, God already decided that we were going to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. What that means is that when people look at the church, all they see is Jesus. Because we should be conformed to His image, amen. Now, what happened when people looked at Jesus in the Bible? Amen. When Jesus prayed for the sick, they recovered. 
When Jesus laid hands on the blind, they could see. When Jesus cast out devils, they obeyed. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus said, All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. He also said in John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because the church has been predestinated to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's exciting because that means when I pray for the sick, I expect them to be healed. Amen. When I lay hands on people, I expect them to be delivered. When I lay hands on people who need prayer, I expect them to be restored. When people come to Jesus, I expect them to be renewed and refreshed. Amen. Why? Because we have been predestinated to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. But it goes deeper than that. He goes on to say, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Why? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now what does that mean? You see, Jesus never intended to be the only one to conquer sin and death. See, we need to understand that. See, we get so caught up sometimes in the mistakes that we've made and the problems we've caused ourselves in life. We don't realize that if we are in the church, we are destined to be victorious. Amen? And if Jesus had power over sin, we can have power over sin. If Jesus was tempted but didn't fall, we too can be tempted and not fall. Not in any strength that we do, not in anything that's in our ability, but because we are part of the church, because we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that was in Jesus Christ will enable us to stand and will enable us to be victorious as well because we're part of the church. You with me so far? Not only did Jesus not intend to be the only one to ever conquer sin, he intended to only be the first one to ever conquer death. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15.54 tells us this. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? See, the church is predestinated to ultimate victory. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stand in its way. Nothing can defeat it. Nothing can slow it down. Amen, God. God has already decided my church is going to be victorious. Amen. Jesus said to Peter, you are Peter, but on this rock, what rock? The revelation of who Jesus was, I will build my church. He didn't say he was going to build Peter. He didn't say he was going to build Pastor Gratian. He didn't say he was going to build any of us. But he did say, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen. The church is predestinated to victory. The gates of hell will not prosper. No weapon formed against us can prosper. Why? Because we're victorious. Amen? Amen. And so the church is predestinated to victory. Do you believe that this morning? I know this is a deep topic. I get it. And I'm probably going a little faster than I should. The church is predestinated for victory. But the next question is, is are you in the church? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate 
to be conformed to the image of his son. Why? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. In other words, God's got this church and he's calling people saying, hey, come on in, be a part of the church. Get involved, amen. You need to be in the church if you want to be victorious. And remember, I'm not talking about this church in particular. I'm not talking about the organization. I'm talking about God's church. Amen? Amen. So the next part of God's plan is to call people to come to the church. And that offer extends to all. John 3.16, most of us can quote it. For God so loved the world. God didn't just so love the Australians. God didn't just so love the Africans. God didn't just so love the Americans. No, God so loved the world. God loved the whole world. Why? That He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever will believeth on Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God's not willing for anybody to not be in the church. He wants everybody to be in the church. As far as God is concerned, He'd look at the entire population of the world, and if He could, He'd say, you're all in the church, amen? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, amen? Revelation 22, verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whosoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Amen. So make sure you understand this. The church is predestinated to victory. The church cannot possibly lose. The church has already won the battle. Amen. The question is, is will you answer the call to be a part of the church? Amen. See, the ultimate victory and the plan of salvation are only open to them that accept the call, act in faith, and are obedient to God's Word. Matthew 22 and verse 14 says that many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. See, John 3, 5. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say unto you, unless a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Amen. What's the kingdom of God? The church. Unless a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's why Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost when they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? What are they saying? What do we need to do to be in the church, Peter? What do we need to do to be saved? They might not have said it in that many words, but that's what they were asking. They were saying, hang on, you've just told us we've crucified the Messiah. You've just told us we've blown our hope as a nation of Israel. You've just told us that this guy we've been waiting for for millennia, we missed it and we crucified him. And Peter says, you need to repent. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus for remission of sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's why I know it's for everybody. That's why I know this call is a global call. It's a worldwide call. It's for whoever wants to take action on God's Word and say, yeah, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to listen to the call of God. I'm going to get myself in the church. Amen? Amen. And then he goes on in Romans. I'm not going too fast, am I? I'm not losing you. 
This making sense? Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. When God calls us and when we respond in faith, then the Bible says that we are justified. The church is justified, which means God counts us as righteous. Justified, though, means that we are called out of a life of sin, called out of doing things our own way, called out of living to our own ideals and our own idols, but living a life that is pure and holy before God. Amen? Justified. I heard one preacher say justified means just as if I'd never done it. Justified. Amen? We are holy and pure before God. Amen? And whom he justified, verse 30, them he also glorified. Now this is interesting. 1 John 3 verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. The final step in God's plan for the church is the day when the trumpet sounds, the skies part, and Jesus comes to take us home. That's the last step in the plan that God has for his church. And I don't know about you, but I look around and I'm like, yes, Jesus, let's go. Come on, Lord, I'm ready for home now. Amen? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. And we receive a glorified sinless body, and the Bible says we see Jesus as he is. But here's the interesting thing. Little thing in English here. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, quick English lesson. Who likes English? When you see the letters E-D on a word, what does that mean? It means past tense. It means it's already happened. Amen? So if I said... Oh, I can't think of a word now. <laughs> but ED means it's happened in the past, right? It's past tense, right? So, whom he also called, God has already called. And he's still calling, but he's already called. Then he also justified. If you're in the church, you've already been justified. Past tense, it's already happened. Whom he justified, then he also glorified. Hold it. Why is glorified in the past tense if I'm saying it hasn't happened yet? God hasn't come back for his church yet, and yet glorified is in the past tense. What's going on here? Here's what's happened. Because God knows that he has a church, and because he knows that it will be victorious, it's in the present tense as far as God is concerned. Because as far as God is concerned, the church's final victory, the church's final glorification, it's already a done deal. It's already happened as far as God's concerned. Nothing is going to change the destination of the church. Nothing is going to stop the glorification of the church. Amen. Nothing's going to stop God coming back. Nothing's going to stop that trumpet sounding. Nothing's going to stop us being changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Amen. And so the one who lives outside of time, the one who holds the world in his 
his hand. The one who created the seasons and the sun and the moon is not bound by time. And when he looks at the church in the span of history, he knows his church was predestinated to victory. He knows his church has been called. He knows his church has been justified. And as far as he's concerned, his church has already been glorified. Why? Because he sees the end from the beginning and the things that were not as though they were, Isaiah tells us. Amen. The church is going to be glorified. God's mind is made up. It's already certain. All we are waiting for down here, for those of us who are bound by time, we're just waiting for it to happen. But in God's mind, it's already a done deal. Amen? And that's why Paul puts it in the past tense. Amen? Because it's as good as done. Amen? And that's why we can proclaim, we know that all things work together for good. Amen? Because if we stay with God's plan and we respond to God's call of salvation, we're going to inherit eternal life. There's no two ways around that. There's no way the devil can change that outcome. There's nothing he can do to stop the church. The church is going to be victorious. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so as we all stand this morning, Paul asks the next logical question after all of that. He says, what shall we say to these things? Well, really, the answer to that question depends on where you stand, doesn't it? What shall we say to these things? If you're in the church, you just continue on with what Paul says. If God be for us. Who can be against us? Amen. Amen. If God be for us, who can be against us? And if you're not in the church, or maybe you're slipping out of the church, you've got to get back in the church. Amen. Because the church is the only thing that's predestinated to victory. It's not about how good I am, but it's about how good God is. And it's whether or not I'm obedient to God's word. God doesn't change the rules just because he likes me, just because I'm his favorite, amen, but he's been clear in his word, he says, this is my church, it's going to be victorious, here's why it's going to be victorious, here's what I'm going to do to make sure that it's victorious, all we need to do is go, okay, God, I want to be a part of that, and then we need to be obedient to God's world, and then the great thing is with that, is that we can join with Paul, as part of the church that has existed since the day of Pentecost. And we can say, we know that all things work together for good. Praise the Lord. Why don't we all stand this morning? And I want to spend a little bit of time in prayer. Because I don't know where everybody is. And I know sometimes life just gets in the way. Amen? And we wonder what's going on. And we, we, we get discouraged. And sometimes we just need to remind ourselves, hey, I'm in the church. I've been washed in the blood. I've been baptized. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm a part. I've been obedient to God's word. I'm part of the church. I'm going to be victorious, even though it might not look like it down here. And even though individual circumstances might conspire to make us feel like we're doing something wrong, if we can hold our life up to the light of God's Word and go, well, am I being honest with God here? Am I being obedient to God's Word? And if the answer to that is a resounding yes, uh, then relax. Why? Because we know that all things work together for good. And you know what? Maybe that's where I've been in the last little bit. 
I've been struggling in my life with some things recently. I've been wondering what's going on. And, and I think that's why this verse has been rocketing around in my head for the last week. I've been telling myself, we know. I don't understand it. Sometimes I can't explain it. I don't know why, but we know. It's a statement of fact, not an opinion. We know that all things work together for good. And maybe you're one of those ones today who have maybe slipped a little bit back. And you've got to get your life right with God. You've got to come to God and you've got to say, you know what, God? I want to be victorious in my life. And I understand that doesn't mean my circumstances are going to change overnight sometimes. But it does mean I have an eternal hope. And my future is secure as long as I live my life according to God's word. Why? Because if I do, I'm in the church. Church will be victorious. Church cannot lose. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to put some music on. Let's say goodbye to our live streamers. And we're just going to spend a few minutes in prayer together.